Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult Series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. Your medical assistant comes into your office to tell you that your next patient is an 18-year-old who thinks she has gotten an STD from her boyfriend. She also wants to talk to you about starting birth control pills. The medical assistant tells you that when she asked the woman to get undressed from the waist down and started to set up a tray for the pelvic exam, the woman asked if it was really necessary to have one. The medical assistant suggested she discuss this with you. Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today is Dr. Alan Ehrlich, Associate Professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and Executive Editor of Dynamed. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, Frank. So the world has changed a great deal with regards to what the indications are for, for pelvic exams. And for in, this, in an 18-year-old female, what do the current guidelines say about when or who needs a pelvic exam? Well, the first thing is that, as you say, things have changed quite a bit. The guidelines only recommend doing pelvic exams in women who are symptomatic. The idea that you would just do a screening pelvic exam or that if someone is having a pap smear, we're going to do a bimanual exam at the same time, these things are no longer recommended. When it comes to detecting uh, sexually transmitted infections, the ones we worry about the most tend to be gonorrhea and chlamydia, and these can be tested in the urine or the woman can swab herself. And so again, public exams are not necessary in those situations. The places where they are needed, if someone wants to have an IUD inserted, obviously an exam will have to be done. But again, uh, for many, many years, women who wanted uh, oral contraception would get a pap smear and a pelvic exam, and that's no longer recommended. They'd also get um, a clinician breast exam and often instructed in self-breast exam, and that's also changed. We're not doing that as well, correct? That's right. It, it is interesting how many things were dogma for so long that had no benefit, and uh, you know, it's, at least we can see that the field is advancing and we're only doing things that seem to uh, have evidence to support them. So despite these guidelines being around for quite a while, how common is it for young women to still have pap smears and bimanual exams? Well, unfortunately, it's very common. Uh, there was a very interesting article published recently in JAMA Internal Medicine, and they looked at women between the ages of 15 and 20, young women, who uh, had either a pap smear or a bimanual exam from a nationwide survey, and this was based on face-to-face -face interviews with large numbers of women. And what they found was that for pap smears, approximately 20% of the women had a pap smear in the prior year. Wow. And of those, probably 70% were inappropriate and not indicated. When it comes to bimanual exams, 25% of that population had had a bimanual exam in the prior 12 months, and their estimate was that at least half were, were not indicated. Wow. So way too aggressive. Yeah. I, you know, it's not a, I'm not sure it's a question of aggressive, as I think in many instances, people just are unfamiliar that the guidance has changed. They're used to doing it a certain way. In one survey I saw, 80% of gynecologists would still 
do routine uh, pelvic exams on women coming in for just a health visit. I, I, I believe that. So um, what's the danger? What's the downside to doing a, a bimanual and a pap on a young woman? So first of all, we'll, we'll take them separately. The pap, uh, the problem with the pap is that there were a tremendous amount of false positives uh, associated with the pap smear that then lead to anxiety, procedures, uh, all sorts of uh, interventions that are not without uh, problems. In addition, the actual rate of malignancies in this age range is vanishingly low. And so the number of bad outcomes from doctor interventions, the iatrogenic problems, far exceeded any potential benefit. So that's for pap smears. For the bimanual exam, again, this is a, one of the more uncomfortable and invasive aspects of this. And the fact that a woman might have to go through this might discourage her from coming in and getting tested for sexually transmitted infections, might discourage her from coming in for contraception, and that's really the, the bigger problem. Yep. Oh, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, all right, so what, who should get a pelvic exam and bimanual exam? What, what are the risks? What, what risk factors well, might predispose you to needing one? So again, it's based on symptoms. So with respect to a, uh, a woman who might think she has a sexually transmitted infection, you have to say to yourself, is this just a typical gonorrhea or chlamydia uh, situation? Or do I think maybe there's something more serious like pelvic inflammatory disease? So if someone were having abdominal pain, that would be one thing. Or if someone's having bleeding, you know, these are reasons why doing a, that type of exam might be appropriate. But in the young age women, if they don't have symptoms and you know, they just report an exposure to a sexually transmitted infection, then that wouldn't be indicated. With respect to pap smears, the only group of women who should have pap smears in that 15 to 20 uh, year old age range are women who have HIV and are sexually active. If they're not sexually active or they don't have HIV, uh, then either one of those, then you don't need to have a pap smear. What if they did not get the HPV vaccine? Again, I don't think that affects their risk because it takes time for these things to develop. And most women who are young and don't have the HPV vaccine are going to get HPV, and the vast majority of them are not going to have cervical cancer before the age of 21. And it certainly seems to me the most important intervention for the woman who hasn't had the HPV vaccine and is coming in and asking about a pap smear is getting the HPV vaccine. Absolutely. So, Alan... You talked about the pap smear. What's the value of the bimanual exam? So currently, the bimanual exam, again, is only indicated where there are symptoms. And I know many of us who trained and learned how to do pap smears, we did a bimanual exam as the second part of that uh, procedure, but that is no longer recommended. In fact, it's recommended against. So if you're doing pap smears, even on older women, unless they have some symptom that justifies why you would do a bimanual exam, you should just go ahead and do the pap smear and leave the other part out. All right, Alan, uh, thank you very much. I appreciate uh, your discussion on this topic. Thanks, Frank. Practice pointer, the only indications for doing a pap smear on adolescents is having a history of being HIV positive and being sexually active. Join us next time when we discuss cognitive behavioral therapy's role in helping patients with depression get to remission. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com podcast, and see you next week.